but it's a delicate treatment that calls for very exact timing. She mustn't be overcooked. Welcome to the fourth episode of Beauty GPS in the Hot Seat. I'm your navigator, Mary Shook. Today, skincare industry icon Annette Hansen is in the hot seat to talk about spas and clinics that advertise high-tech procedures using illegal medical devices. Spas have never been under more pressure to give the public results at any cost, but a growing number of devices used in spas are not cleared by the FDA and people are getting permanently damaged by estheticians who are practicing outside of their licenses and are embarrassed or afraid to report it. Incidences at spas can happen at any time, but I felt it was time to educate the consumer on services being self-regulated by industry before I see another skincare casualty, as I do every week. Annette Hansen, founder of Italia Esthetique Institute, was instrumental in writing the curriculum for the New York State Aesthetics License and is heavily diplomaed internationally through her studies in France with Carita, Payot, and Lancôme. She is also a published author, educator, lecturer, and founder of two groundbreaking skincare lines. Annette and I also talk about her beauty hacks after 40 years in the skincare industry and her non-surgical secrets to her youthful neckline and eyes. Please note that all opinions of Annette Hansen are that of her own and not to be taken as legal advice. You can check with your state's laws and guidelines at beautygps.com for further information. Now sit back and enjoy the show. And thanks for listening. So hello, Ms. Hansen. Welcome to the hot seat. Hi, Ms. Mary Shook. I'm happy to be here. And I just want to point out that you were one of my top students. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> so today I want to talk about spas and skin clinics that advertise high-tech procedures that are using medical devices that are trending really, really big right now. And let's first talk about uh, how many years ago you started in this industry and who you are. Well, my name is Annette Hansen, and I started a postgraduate training facility and aesthetic licensing school in 1985. Wow. Um, I came, I did all my education in Paris. I was hired by the president of Lancome to open the first New York Beauty Institute for Lancome in Bloomingdale's on the eighth floor. And that started my career in the skincare business. Oh. At the time, when I got into Lancome, uh, the first thing they asked me to do was do a haircut. And I said, pardon. I had already done two years of training. And I knew skincare better than anyone in the salon. And I said, why would I do a haircut? And of course, they said, that there was no skincare license in the state of New York. There was only a cosmetology license. So I had, Lancome had to send me back to skin, to cosmetology school. And that was the only way I could legally do a facial in the state of New York. Of course, I got angry and I got politically active. 
and uh, Secretary Treadwell in 1992 asked me to write a curriculum for aesthetics and we split the license into five specialty licenses on July 5th, 1994. Wow. I I did create a curriculum of 1,200 hours, but the state cut it down to 600 hours. And um, I I put as much knowledge and safety for the consumer as I could in that curriculum. And that is the curriculum that still stands today. Wow. So now you have a huge background in, in French training, like French techniques and so on. Can you tell us more about that that training and why French skincare is so big in beauty? Well, remember for the French, beauty is a way of life. They, it isn't like we go to a facial salon because we see a pimple or we see sagging skin. They have always had facials as part of their life since they were teenagers. Um, the other thing We've got to hand it to the French. They drink a lot of wine. And wine has a lot of antioxidants, resveratrol, phenols, and and, um, and they also naturally, you know, cleanse and tone their skin. And they don't, they, they do it, they see their mother do it, and they keep on doing it. Oh, interesting. So I believe the French also, my course was two years, not four months. It was two years. Okay. That was important also. So they also don't put a lot of makeup on. Their skin shines through. They have an interior glow. Um, They believe in less is more. And as you know, the French embrace their wrinkles. There isn't as much plastic surgery in France as there is in the United States. Interesting. When I came from um, Paris, in the um, in in the 1970s, we were not taught extraction. We had a machine that gently vacuumed the skin after steaming and after exfoliation, but no esthetician would squeeze the skin. No esthetician would extract a blemish because by having weekly facials and doing skin care, they never had that need. There was no equipment. There was cleansing, there was toning, and there were massage movements that, yes, I did incorporate all my massage movements from Lancome, from Pio, from Chanel, from Dior. Um, I worked with all those companies. They all are have institute lines, and I brought it back to my school in 1994, and that's what we teach today. We really concentrate on um, on massage of the face and neck. Um, And I think there are two ways in this country right now. There are people that are going natural and they are doing deep, deep massage of the face and neck, which is within our license. And then there are those people that are going absolutely high tech. They're wearing a white uniform um, and they're they're, uh, watching everything that's going on in the industry, but unfortunately, it's the Wild West out there. They're watching Instagram, and they're seeing a procedure, and the next thing, they're buying a machine illegally with two days training, and away they go. There's no doubt that estheticians that are doing as detailed as radio frequency, 
and as detailed as microblading and as detailed as treatment, skincare rejuvenation with lasers. They're really setting themselves up for problems, problems with legal problems, because right now, every state in the country has made their own rules for laser, but basically, they say it's a purview of physicians. The client, rightly so, is extremely mixed up because the regulations for the use of lasers are highly inconsistent. Who can operate lasers? What are the regulations? Who are they allowed to delegate to? Who's supervising? So that's why we're having so much trouble with lasers. The one thing I can tell you is that laser hair removal in the state of New York is allowed. We're the only state where right now laser hair removal can be done um, and, uh, and, and, and we give insurance for it and we have training and on that, on that regard, we're good. The only problem is that once, a, once an esthetician has a laser in their facility, they then begin to do other forms of treatment, such as skin rejuvenation. So there's two words I want the uh, listeners to remember. One is non-invasive and non-ablative. That's why all of this is such a gray area, because when you turn around, you look at the machine, it is working on the top of the skin. The point is, these same machines that are cleared for estheticians, for instance, microdermabrasion machines, they can be at an aesthetic setting, and then all of a sudden they can go too deep. So estheticians, have to know their scope of license. They should know that they are not allowed to do injections. They are not allowed to intentionally break the skin. So when you're doing microblading, where you have to break open the skin and put in a dye, which of course has not been FDA approved, you're, you're you're running a great risk that there will be a reaction. And that's what's going on now. The inks and the tattoos, they are not regulated. Uh, the actual practice of tattooing, every state is trying to catch up. For instance, the state of New York, all you need is a tattoo license. They don't even ask you to be an esthetician. So can you imagine that people are taking a tattoo license for one day and they're going to a two-day course and they're purchasing dyes where we don't know whether they're organic or inorganic and they're putting it under the skin. I mean, it, I don't understand why the buyer, the consumer, it's consumer beware. Do your homework. Search textbooks. Ask your doctor. Um, look for the um, contraindications. And, you know, you are taking your life in your hand because people have had bad reactions to all of these treatments that are what I, I will say quasi-medical. The question is that, you know, until the New York Times did that article on, on the nail expose, 
it, it just seems that there's so much that's out there wide open and, and even on menus now. Like before, when I first got started, you would not even dare see an eyelash tinting because it was highly illegal because enough people had gone blind from that service. And now all of a sudden you're seeing that on everyone's menu. You're seeing just all the stuff on people's menus. So why even just in the state of New York are these things not being policed? answer is that budget-wise, New York State doesn't have enough inspectors. So yes, the rules for cosmetologists and nail techs and waxing specialists and estheticians and natural hair weavers, they all fall under the license, a general division of licensing called appearance enhancement. So appearance enhancement writes a rule book, okay, but no one's there to make sure it happens. So you start at a good school like Atelier Esthétique and you build into the students what is within their scope of license to beautify, to tonify, to clean, to tone, to soften with chemical and physical and electrical means. In no way does it say to do injections. It's no way does it say to draw blood. And in, in no way does it say to work any deeper than the epidermis. We are within the scope of license if we work on the epidermis, the most superficial layer of the skin. FDA does not control cosmetics. We register cosmetics, but this is an industry, aesthetics is an industry that is self-policed and it's done by education. But again, remember that estheticians have a lot to do. Microdermabrasion, chemical peels, laser hair removal, LED light therapy, microcurrent, um, dermaplaning. They have a lot to do. We, we even got into the field of microneedling but microneedling that stays on the surface of the skin. So it's microneedling with a, a um, closed cartridge, which, which, which never goes into the dermis. So again, it's everything I'm saying. There are machines out there, but will the esthetician use them within her scope of license? And she should because then her insurance protects her. So what estheticians cannot do, they can't remove moles, they can't do injections, they can't do microneedling that go into live tissue and draw blood, they can't do tattooing, they can't do permanent makeup, and they can't do microblading. They certainly can't do, um, um, they, can't, they can't start drawing blood, making channels of, of um, needles in the face, injecting platelets into the face. This is just way too far. And we yeah. do need control. We do need control. Maybe you're right. That should be my next, my next job. Sheriff. Yeah. Yeah. I think Sheriff, Sheriff Hansen. <laughs> um, so I, I, I guess that touches into, you know, what are your biggest concerns about the industry right now outside of policing? Like, you know, you've seen this huge wave of all these different trends and you're saying Instagram has kind of changed the whole uh, terrain of what's going on. But what, what, what concerns you the most? I think the industry of technology has gone too far too fast. 
So Hmm. we're going to, the education field, we have to expand the scope of license by creating an advanced modality license. Oh, there are states that have done that and made it and made it much safer for estheticians. And estheticians exactly know what they can and cannot do. Everybody's calling themselves an expert. They're calling themselves a consultant. Based on what? Who are you listening to? Now, how does a blog become more important than a textbook? The term medical esthetician. There is no such thing as a medical esthetician. Um, You can say that you're you're, uh, practicing in a medical practice, but the 600-hour license, everyone walks out of my school, Atelier Esthetique Institute, with an aesthetics license. The estheticians who work in offices of medical practitioners, just because they work there, it doesn't mean they can perform any invasive procedure. And that even goes for the fact that, like, you can get certifications, especially like in England, that are more medical-based. Those certifications can't be brought back here and still used because it's still out of the scope of our licenses, correct? Absolutely. So people go and take take their courses abroad, and then they bring it back here. Um, and um, there's a lot of UK companies coming in and creating certain facials even in department stores because one day there will be an inspector there all it takes mary so the fda doesn't control um cosmetics and aesthetic treatments but all it takes is one bad reaction one burn and it comes to the attention of the department of state consumer complaint the complaint goes up to the FDA. That's how this started with chemical peels. That's why chemical peels have a strength that we cannot go above as an esthetician. And we can only do superficial chemical peels because people were just getting recipes off the internet. They were making it in their garage and they were doing it on consumers and they were Ugh. getting a lot of money for it. And it took, it took a lot of complaints. When people are looking for something new and they see it on Instagram, they're like, ooh, what's that? I want to bring that in, and even though they're not supposed to. so We have a lot with electrical means. If we can just make some regulations for radio frequency, another word for, other, you know, more common um, brand name is Thermage. If we can start making some rules for estheticians on how far they can do on what they can do it won't be so open and unregulated and um everyone says to me where where's where's the inspectors on this yeah so it's you know and it's very hard because you have estheticians working in doctor's office who thinks they can do everything but they really can't because it's not their scope of license so you have people who are an esthetician, but they take off their esthetician badge and they just become a certified laser specialist, and then they fire off the laser. Mm, so it's, yeah. it's really not—it's really not an easy, not—it's—it's it's not an easy journey. But I'm—I'm I'm excited and scared. 
about the technology. They're getting good results on Kim Kardashian. They bring it in, and now there's a big problem. And there are lawsuits. There are lawsuits. Lots of lawsuits. Let's, let's talk about something that you're excited about in the skincare industry right now. Well, it's a double-edged sword. I am excited about all the new, all the new modalities. I'm excited that uh, when I brought in uh, GHK copper peptides in the year 2000, it's now a phenomenon. Now everyone's using peptides, which are chains of amino acids, and they're creating uh, peptide facials, and I was the pioneer of that. I'm very excited about the cosmetics. The cosmetics are getting extremely scientific, and they really, really work. And, uh, you know, Genefique by Lancome, that's gene therapy. It, it's wonderful. And so I'm, I'm impressed with the uh, science behind cosmetics. I think that's great. So, you know, it's still buyer beware. It's still, you know, if you're about, about to put your face in the hands of someone, do some research. When I did research for this um, podcast, which thank you very much, Mary, I love speaking. When, when, I, when I did the research, I found that, yes, lots was coming from medical facilities, but then I found single estheticians offering the same thing, just yeah. saying they were, they were an esthetician. And how they got hold of these skin rejuvenation lasers beats me because they are not to be sold by anybody but a doctor. So then you have the unscrupulous laser vendors that are selling directly to my graduates. And then the graduate is getting the training from the unscrupulous uh, seller of laser equipment and they're hanging out their shingle. This is just an accident waiting to happen. And what I'm so afraid of is when you have any insurance um, investigation, it goes back to the it goes back to the laser itself. It goes back to the seller of the laser. Then it goes to the operator. And then if that operator happened to go to my school, I have to defend myself because mm -hmm. in no way did I say ever, and did any of my instructors say that they could go out and purchase a skin tightening laser and fire it up? The thing is that. Every state is starting to look at all these advanced modalities and they are, are trying to be proactive um, because who is qualified to run an aesthetic medical center and who is not? And the public, they will do anything for age-defying technology. And when the public will do anything for age-defying procedures, now we have the market ripe for abuse. Mm -hmm. and in a no man's land okay we're in a no man's land because these these spot these medical spa treatments are in a doctor's office but then they're sort of translating right into spas and salons it's a wild west but i'm going to again ask your listeners to remember the words non-invasive non-ablative meaning you can't abrade the skin and draw blood and working on the epidermis. If we do these three things, the trifecta, and we repeat it over like a mantra, that's how an esthetician will always be able to, to defend themselves, you know, in any inspector, because those are the words, that is what's supposed to be. That's really helpful. 
So I'm going to go ahead and with questions from customers. We have Amanda from Texas who asks, um, should skin break out after a facial and why does this happen? Skin should not break out after a facial, but it's normal if it does, meaning that sometimes the skin gets worse before it gets better. Skin takes the, the, the treatment, it's detoxing. And if a person has three years of buildup of sebum and dead cells and sunscreen in their pores, there might be a slight, a slight uh, redness, a slight, a slight breakout. Um, it stirs up bacteria after extraction. So if you're a trained esthetician, you're going to disinfect and you're going to use high frequency to, um, to disinfect the bacteria. Some skin reacts to steam and facial massage and new products and clay. Um, but all, all, I, all I know is that it, it goes away sometimes in 24 hours, sometimes in 20 minutes. You have to allow time um, for the skin to, um, to uh, I say, almost, almost calm down. So that after extractions, you of course are going to put on a calming mask and you should never leave the spa with any welts or blotches. So somebody's been too over aggressive with their products and their extractions. Again, find a good esthetician, read the reviews and talk to the best thing is word of mouth. Yeah. A facial is really like a workout at the gym. You know, it doesn't necessarily make you beautiful the first visit, but the <laughs> benefits kick in after a few days. I have Elaine now in New York who wants to share. She had some lash tinting done at the cosmetics counter at a major department store downtown, and her eyes had swollen shut, and um, she was just afraid to report it, and she didn't even know lash tinting was illegal in the state of New York. And she, she really wants people to learn from her accident, but... She says, if someone were to have this reaction again, or she, she's not going to do it, but if someone were to have this reaction, she wants to know what they should do. What steps would someone take if they have a reaction that is short of having to go to the emergency room? FDA doesn't allow dye to really dye eyelashes because there was a case in the 1930s where the product got in the eye, the person went to the movie for three or four hours, and of course their eye got red and, um, and, got, and was, was uh, infected. So the United States seized any eyelash dye product coming from Europe that had coal tar dye in it. Then there was a big wave here um, of vegetable dyes. So again, in the language of the menu, we are using vegetable dye to dye your eyelashes. It's not completely true because when you analyze what they're using, they have some real dye in it and real coal tar dye. Estheticians, again, are trained to do this um, by a lead esthetician at a salon because it is not allowed to be taught in skincare schools because it is illegal to use coal tar dye. But 
In advanced modalities, we teach the esthetician how to properly, without any chance of running into the eye, to dye the eyes. Now, I can't imagine at a department store, was the person an esthetician? Did she receive training? What product was she using? Again, she told me the company. It's, it's, I, I doubt that these people were estheticians, and it's someone who's known majorly for brows um, where they were set up. So they, they've got a big menu for this. Yeah. But, um, and again, no, there's no inspectors watching the menus. So yeah. again, until, until you hurt someone, it's not brought to the attention of an inspector. And, and you know, as long as, as long as she has beautiful results or she or he has beautiful results, nothing will happen. So again, I, I do think that she should have contacted the Department of State, and I'll just repeat that number, 212-417-5747. And um, also go on the website at www.dos.ny.gov and complete a complaint form. This can be done um, anonymously. But the other thing is if she was truly hurt, then she has to see an eye doctor and the bill has to go to the operator. Mm -hmm. That's for sure what has to happen. But it can be done, Mary. I mean, I was trained in Europe. I did them all the time. It can be done safely. The question is, the question is, it's always the operator. Did the operator receive training? Did she even know that she was supposed to be using vegetable dye? How many times has she done it? You see, these people are just, again, it's, it's about money and getting people on the floor. And it, again, I just say to the, the consumer, buyer beware. Why would a top financial analyst put their hands, put their face in the hands of someone that they don't even know the background of? When you yeah. choose a financial advisor, you look at the resume. So why aren't customers thinking about the resume? Because Groupon changed everything. <laughs> so you asked what what was the biggest change? Negative. I think it's internet direct sales without training, and 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 you're right, Groupon. It's just about how many clients, how fast, how much money, and that was not the healing hands. That's not what what the healing hands were all about. Yeah. Now that makes yep. yeah. So I have a final question for Stephanie. She said her and her friends are approaching their 40s and they're not sure to where to start with facials. Um, even though she's now in New York, she came from a town where she grew up and facials were seen as indulgent and not essential. And she's concerned because they're all seeing that they're aging. Um, can you tell us why facials are necessary uh, and how to find a talented facialist outside of just talking to someone because not everyone talks about they're good skincare person um and does price equate talent um and because her and her friends are afraid of their skin getting hurt so there is some backlash going on because people are hearing the nightmares but yeah. you know they're, they're they're all scared and they would love to hear your your opinion on this well yeah, as we were saying what was the difference about french beauty well the french don't consider skincare as pampering and 
um, they, they think it's a necessary part of life. And I do believe that more and more people are having facials and it's in their lifestyle now. And it is important because of the cities that we live in, the pollution, the coating on the skin, and people need to understand even the aging process, okay? Um, 10% of the aging is genetics, and the rest is all environment. So you have your climate, you have your pollution, you have your sun, you have your smoking, you have what do you eat. The main thing I would say is, yes, these ladies have to start a facial. Where would they choose a salon? Word of mouth. Not Groupon, word of mouth. They see a beautiful woman, they talk to them in the club, where are they going? Are they having facials? And nine times out of ten, they are having facials, okay? The, the, the most important thing, a facial is only done once every 30 days. It matters about your products, your skincare products. Do, did, did the person give you a proper skin analysis? And did she recommend products that are ideally suited to your face to make a difference? And so that gets back to aesthetics, that gets back to training, that gets back to skin analysis, okay? And, and um, proper skincare regimen done every day and night, you, you understand, is much more important than a facial done once a month. That's that's very wise words from a woman that's been around for <laughs> for only 10 years. No. <laughs> Ms. Hansen, everyone comes with a beauty hack. What is your beauty hack? Well, if that means my my secret, I would say that I have never ever in my short life gone to bed with my eye makeup on. I always use a distinct product, an eye makeup remover, to remove my eye and lip makeup. And uh, I think you can attest to the fact that I don't have any eye wrinkles. No, not one. There is uh, products to rehydrate, there are products to firm, there are specialized products for eyes. I would never use anything near my eye that didn't have the word eye in the title. Okay, eye cream, eye gel, eye makeup remover, eye massage, eye pad, <laughs> and, um, and I use specialized neck creams also. Ah. So, so that, you know, I seek out the... I seek out neck creams in every single line because that's what's missing the most in in product lines, I feel. Is there one you like? There are some great neck creams out there. I, um, I know there's one by um, Strivectin. They just improved their newest um, neck cream out there. I think that's one of them is excellent. Oh, okay. No, that's, that's, I mean, they were the ones that kind of started that whole wave of anti-aging creams and beauty anyway. It, it started the race. So, Absolutely. yeah. They started that makes the sense. race and they're still in it because, uh, and they're still in it. And if you check uh, New Beauty, you'll see advertisements for Strivectin. They were the ones who uh, took a lot of medical 
scientific knowledge and put it into their skincare products and they were sold in department stores so that was new and different now i'm working on really good uh eating habits as much as i love my red wine and it's it's done good by me and my skin for these years it does have a lot of sugar in it so i'm trying to cut back <laughs> or you could just have dry wine. I have an expert coming on for for wine, so we'll we'll find a way to convert that for you. So don't give up yet. <laughs> <laughs> Sounds good. Sounds good. Sounds good. Well, listen, I can just remind the readers it takes a lot more muscles to frown than it is to smile, and smiling is contagious. And I have always been an optimist, and I've always been happy, and I've always smiled. And I think that's a, a good, good um, recommendation for keeping your beauty. That's a really from, nice note. It is from the inside out. It is from the inside out. If you're a miserable person, you probably will have miserable skin. That's the way I feel. Oh, that's a great quote. <laughs> Well, Ms. Hansen, I really appreciate you taking your time out on the Saturday. You're a busy woman with lots of different things going on. And I think you're going to really help people figure out, you know, the best ways to, to handle their skin and skincare. So thank you for then coming on the show and, and giving our listeners a lot of good sound advice. Thank you for asking me and I hope to come back soon. Excellent. My name is Mary Shook, and I hope you've enjoyed this fourth episode of Beauty GPS in the Hot Seat with Annette Hansen. I hope we cleared up a bit of what to expect from a skincare practitioner in most states. Keep in mind, the skincare industry is having a Wild West moment, and the regulators have made it up to the industry to police itself. Reactions and random accidents are bound to happen, but it's important to disclose everything to your chosen skincare provider to reduce any skincare mishaps. Keep in mind that every state's laws are different. You can find out more information about legal services in your state by visiting beautygps.com. Also, let us know what part of the beauty and wellness industry you'd like for us to help you navigate. And if you like the show, please rate us on iTunes, Stitcher, or whatever podcast platform you're listening to now. Thanks for listening. Beauty GPS is copyright 2019. Beauty by Mary Shook, LLC. All rights reserved.